Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host. For the next half hour, we can talk about truth, serious things that actually make a difference in life. No arguing, no one getting upset with somebody, just talking about what the scriptures say, getting to know God and getting to know our place in this world, which is really out of this world. I come to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And often I've been reading something that I want to share with you, and today is no exception. One of my favorite authors is V. Raymond Edmond, and if you've listened to Nighttime at All, you know I've read pieces of his works, and I enjoy the way he expresses himself. He hasn't been around for quite a while. He had a heart attack at Wheaton College, speaking there, and died, and went to be with the Lord many years ago. He wrote a book called Just Why, where he just examines some of the more difficult situations in life and tries to figure out the why. In this particular chapter, he looks in the book of Ruth, and he starts with the title, Winsome, with a question mark. Winsome. The word means generally pleasing and engaging often because of a childlike charm. I often think that my faith in God is very childlike because I I can't understand a lot of things that he does, but I can come to him and trust that he's doing what's right. Very much like I was a little child and I would go and trust that my parents were doing what was right. I didn't need to know all the details. I didn't need to know why they were concerned about the bills. I didn't need to know why they were concerned about whatever they were concerned about. I knew they loved me and they would make the right decision. And they did. I know God loves me and I know he's going to make the right decision. And he does. So I can just walk with him and enjoy the fact that he loves me. Now, V. Raymond Edmond wrote this from the passage in Ruth, the second chapter, starting with the eighth verse, verses 8 to 10. So let me read them. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? That's a good question. Boaz was somebody who had things together. He was a prominent person of his day. Why should he notice her? Well, let's read through verse 12. I'll start with 10 again. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward given you by the Lord. 
the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You see, Ruth had this simple faith in God. She was going to do what was right, no matter what the cost was to herself. Her sister-in-law took off already, and, and that was her mother-in-law's request. But Ruth refused to. She was going to do what was right, no matter what the cost was to her personally. I often wonder what the cost is for me. What is the cost that would cause me to do something that I know is wrong? In my head, I would say there is no cost, but I wonder. Life can get pretty hard. It can get pretty sad. There are many things in life that can cause tremendous distress in life. I wonder. In Ruth 2, the 10th verse, the phrase, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? Let me read what B. Raymond Edmund says. Winsome, the centuries have produced no love story lovelier than that of Ruth, the Moabite. In her homeland east of the Jordan, she had everything a lassie's heart could wish, health and happiness, a husband and a home, heart, rest, and certain hope for the future. And then everything was suddenly torn from her by the cold hand of death. Did you ever have that happen? Or if you even think it could happen, it can disturb your day. You know, when you, you realize that everything you have today could be totally different tomorrow because of a circumstance that could change today. Somebody could die today. Somebody will die today. Sometimes it's expected. Sometimes it's a surprise. But everything changes when that happens. While I'm recording this, there have been news reports of earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. They wake up in the morning, and by the end of that day, everything is different. We've had times of great storms here in the Northwoods of Wisconsin where we wake up and go about our business. But by the end of the day, everything is different. Naomi looked forward to what was going to happen in life, as did Ruth, her daughter-in-law, and her other daughter-in-law. Only it didn't happen. Suddenly, as V. Raymond Edmonds said, torn from her by the cold hand of death, in her desolation and dismay, she came to understand that although life has many delights, its light goes out when love is gone. Ruth did have Naomi, her mother-in-law. That was true, but Naomi was intent on leaving Moab for her old home in Bethlehem. It was only reasonable that a Moabitish maiden would remain with her own people, but she determined to cleave to Naomi. With the cry, Whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Chapter 1, verse 16. Birthplace and familiar faces and places she would leave for Bethlehem's uncertainties, where possibly there would be unfriendliness towards foreigners. Ruth understood that she needed to stay with her mother-in-law. She was going to be faithful to her. She wanted to leave the way of her old life and cleave to the way of her new life. Naomi was the only one left to bring her that way. 
She understood that there would be difficulties, but she obviously understood a responsibility to take care of her mother-in-law. She was younger, and she could do that, and she was taking that on upon herself. Remember, this wasn't her mother. This was her husband's mother, and he had died. And yet she was going to be responsible to take care of her to the best of her ability. B. Raymond goes on to say, The Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, became Ruth's God in the place of the merciless Malik of the Moab. And the humble, unaffected folk of Epaphra received Naomi's foreign-born daughter-in-law into their fellowship. To the true God and to her widowed mother-in-law, Ruth would be trustworthy, both in worship of heart and work of hand. To the true God, Ruth would be trustworthy. Would you be trustworthy? Would I be trustworthy? Do we live as if we actually trust God? And if not, why not? I know the easy answer to that is yes, we do. But we really don't know that sometimes, especially living in the United States of America. There are so many times our pantries are full, our refrigerators are full. Electricity is not interrupted. We get to enjoy tremendous blessings in this country, the United States of America. Do we get to the point where we forget who God is? If if all of those wonderful things that God has given us to enjoy in this promised land were taken from us, would God still be God? Could they be taken from us? I often wonder what role comfort has. Because I don't like being uncomfortable, and I wonder how long I could live in discomfort before I would break and do something I shouldn't do. Here, Ruth had to be uncomfortable. Her husband had died. Naomi was in a position where obviously she needed to be taken care of. She was going to go back to her own people. She gave the girls freedom to go, and one did, but not Ruth. You know, it's easy for me to judge that the one that left probably did everything wrong. Maybe she did, I don't know, but it's not for me to judge. That's for God. I don't know the situation. I don't know what was going on. I just know that Ruth was the one who was doing it right. Ruth was one who basically saw a need and knew that she could meet that need, even if it cost her. I think that's the important thing to understand. Sometimes we like to meet needs if it doesn't really cost us. I mean, I could give money to people who need help as long as it doesn't affect my lifestyle or my comfort. I could even do things in life to help the lonely and and the homeless, but it shouldn't really affect me, should it? Because if it does then I probably shouldn't do it because i got to take care of number one first. And that's me. Actually, that's a terrible attitude. Oh, I'm not saying I should go out right now and find homeless in northern Wisconsin. You don't do that. It's cold. And as I do this broadcast from the studios at Silver Birch Ranch, the snow is coming down in blankets. There's not going to be very many people I can help out there. But it seems to me that 
were always calculating the cost of obedience. When would the cost get too expensive for you to obey? When would the cost get too expensive for you to, to help somebody in need, especially somebody in your family? Naomi was obviously older and needed help to be taken care of. The one daughter didn't, but Ruth did. And she had no guarantees that she would do anything else in life the rest of her life other than work to make sure Naomi was cared for. You know, she even put herself in a position, and it's obvious, that she could get harmed. She went out to the field to glean. By that we mean she went out to where the harvesters were working and the, and the parts that they missed, the pieces that fell on the ground, she could pick up and take home. These were the poor ladies that went and did this. The poor went and helped clean up the field. You do know that where there's poor are going to help and everybody knows that they're poor. Sometimes they're taken advantage of. Now, we, Boaz, the owner of this facility, told Ruth that she would not be taken advantage of. That gives me the indication that there were times where some of those ladies were not cared for like they should be. Ruth put herself in a position where she went and did what was necessary to help her mother-in-law. And God worked it out for her. B. Raymond Edmund goes on to say, For her, there was no pride of race or face. Only the most indignant gleaned in the field after the reapers. But Ruth was not ashamed to do so. Ruth wasn't ashamed to do so. What am I ashamed to do? Can I help people who really need help? Can I, quote, lower myself to the point where I can help somebody? Or do I have to be dignified in my life? Sometimes the writing of a check is the easy thing to do. The actual going to help somebody is different. Not only that, I think it's important that we understand the value of serving in trying to build relationships. Ruth was going to go out and serve, and Boaz was noticing that this young lady was taking care of her mother-in-law. He noticed that she was serving, she was sacrificing, she was doing what was right. This was very attractive to Boaz. I know that young people come to me and ask sometimes how they can find somebody that they can have a lifelong relationship with a spouse. They tell them to go serve and look for those that are serving with them. Look for those that are already doing something in the fields that you think God's calling you to do. And perhaps there'll be one there that your eye will see and you'll begin to enjoy being around and you'll have so much in common because you both want to serve God and obey God. Ruth didn't have any idea that her gleaning in the field would be used by God to take care of her for the rest of her life. But that's what was going to happen. I think that if we could understand that 
Our trust needs to be in God and doing what's right. That God will take care of us the rest of our lives as we do that. B. Raymond goes on and says, For hers there was no pride of race or face, only the most indignant gleaned in the field after the reapers, but Ruth was not ashamed to do so. She would trust God and be true to Naomi in her need. Let me read that sentence again. She would trust God and be true to Naomi in her need. Her only hope really was in God, and she was being responsible in this life. It is important that you and I are responsible in this life. God gives us resources. He gives us talent. He gives us ability. Why? Those things are not to be used for self-centered purposes. They're not to be used just for our comfort. They're to be used to show the world who God is. Ruth was obeying and trusting God. And she was not running from her responsibility in doing so. Sometimes we want to pray and have God supply our needs when we need to go out and work. Ruth was not just sitting around praying and saying, God, supply our needs. She was looking for a way for God to use to have the needs supplied. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's the rule. Ruth understood that, and she went out and looked. I love it when I see young people who are being responsible. It's less and less as life goes on, but I love to see that. I love the ministry of Christian camping where we get young people to come up and volunteer and we have college people come up and spend all summer here and work because there's an opportunity for them to learn to serve and to give. What a precious opportunity that is. We need to be people who understand the importance of giving and using our talents and abilities for the king. Remember, Jesus told the story of those who had ten talents and five talents and one. It wasn't about the amount of talents that he gave. It was about what people did with them. The one that got ten doubled them. The one that got five doubled them. The one that got one didn't do anything with it because they didn't think it was all that important. God has given all of us special resources, abilities, talents, if you want to call them. What are you doing with them? What am I doing with mine? We need to be people who use what God's given us to serve the people around us. When Jesus was asked what was important, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. The story of who my neighbor is is really the Good Samaritan in the Bible. And if you remember, there was a man robbed and left for dead on the road. And two religious people went right by him because they didn't want to touch him. No doubt they were busy trying to help people see God, although in the whole process, they missed God completely. And the despised Samaritan came by, bandaged his wounds, took him to an inn, paid the innkeeper, told him if any more money was used, he'd pay it on the way back. And Jesus asked, which one is the neighbor? The Samaritan did what was right. But the Samaritan wasn't going to get anything out of it. 
it would be responsible to take care of somebody who's wounded laying on the side of the road. Even if it costs you money, it would be the responsible thing to do. It was responsible for Ruth to go and take care of her mother-in-law. It was the right thing to do, even though it cost Ruth dearly, or at least she thought it would. Ultimately, you're not in charge of the circumstances of life. God is. Ruth needs to get up and do what's right today, and doing what's right would be taking care of her mother-in-law. I need to get up today and do what's right. I need to do what is right every day and trust that God will work out the details. And when I look backwards, maybe I'll be able to see how God did it. Ruth wasn't ashamed. She knew her responsibility to Naomi, and she also understood that she trusted God. Thus, it was in the pathway of duty and obedience that she met Boaz. I want to read that sentence again. Thus, it was in the pathway of duty and obedience that she met Boaz. She was doing what she should, when she should. And it's in that environment that God took care of her. I, too, have a pathway of duty and obedience that I need to to stay in and watch God take care of me. V. Raymond Edmund goes on to say he was rich, she was poor. He was of Bethlehem's first families, and she, a foreigner. And yet he noticed her with wonder, and she exclaimed, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, seeing that I am a stranger? Boaz could tell her why. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed to me that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and come to unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. That was verses 2, 11 through 12. Her faith in God and faithfulness to Naomi had not gone unnoticed, even though all while she had been entirely unconscious thereof. You see, she was doing what was right. And because she was doing what was right, it was being noticed. I guess that's what happened with Job in the book of Job. He was doing what's right, and eventually the whole heavenly host noticed it. This is great hope for everybody listening because you can do what's right today. You can think it's minimal. You can think it's nominal. You can think it's unimportant. I understand that. But you can do what's right today. Her faith in God's faithfulness to Naomi had not gone unnoticed, even though all the while she had been entirely unconscious thereof. Because of such faith and faithfulness, she was known to Boaz and therefore had found favor before him. And before long, she was to become his bride. I bet you she never thought of that, ever. She was thinking of what she needed to do to be faithful. To be faithful to God, to be faithful to her mother-in-law. She was thinking of those things. And in the process, God moved mountains. Edmonds goes on to say, The triumph over life's losses and crosses had her chastened heart 
to hopes undreamed of in Moab's brightest noonday. Dreams become realities because of our diligence and duty during the days of darkness, when disappointed and discouraged we're tempted to sit alone beside life's roadside and let life go by. Let me read that statement again. Dreams become realities because of our diligence and duty during days of darkness. When disappointed and discouraged, we are tempted to sit alone beside life's roadside and let life go by. That is what Oprah did in Moab, and never again do we hear about her. That was Ruth's sister-in-law. Ruth determined to be loyal to Naomi and to her God. Willing to do the most menial tasks and to be unnoticed by others, she obeyed her mother-in-law and believed God. Therefore, Ruth was observed by Boaz, and because of loyalty to Naomi, she became ancestress of royalty. That's pretty incredible. She became somebody who we're still talking about today, where her sister-in-law has faded into the woodwork somewhere. I'm glad that God only gives me things that I can actually do and I can concentrate on doing them. I can do what's right. I can be responsible in life. I can be responsible with the life God's given me. I can be responsible with the mission God's given me. I can be responsible when I see people that are in need. I can be responsible with the gifts and talents he's given me. I can be responsible with the resources he's given me. Part of this nighttime broadcast is trying to be responsible with something he gave me. I've often been told that I have a voice that could do radio and podcasts and help people relax. So I thought I need to do something with it. I'm not sure it's a great help or not. I'm not sure people can relax and go to sleep to it or not. But I do know that if you go to sleep thinking things you should think about, You'll wake up thinking about those things and feel refreshed in the morning. Or if the weight of the world is on you as you go to sleep, it's going to be difficult when you get up in the morning to have the energy you need. We know, as teachers, that the last thing that you think about before you go to sleep, you think about all night long. So I do suggest you listen to a program like Nighttime, or listen to the Bible being read to you, or listen to hymns as you go to sleep lest you worry all night about things that you can't control anyway. We don't want to fret in life. We're told not to fret. It's again like sandpaper that goes on wood and just wears the wood out. It doesn't do you any good, and you can't get rest when you do that. We need to know the truth, the truth that sets us free. Amy Carmichael wrote a poem called The End. Will not the end explain The crossed endeavor, earnest purpose foiled. The strange bewilderment of good work spoiled. The clinging weariness, the inward strain. Will not the end explain? Meanwhile he comforteth them that are losing patience, tis his way. But none can write the words they hear him say. For men to read, only they know he saith kind words, and comforteth. Not that he doth explain the mystery that baffles, but a sense hushes the quiet heart that far, far hence lieth in a field set 
thick with golden grain, wedded in a seedling days of many a rain. The end, it will explain. In the end, we will know more than we know today. We don't know everything, but God does. He knows how this world will end. He knows how our lives are going to end. He knows why he created us in our mother's womb. He knows why he gave us the talents and abilities we have and the resources we have. I promise you, he didn't give us these things to destroy people. He didn't give us these things so that you and I could be self-indulgent. We need to be responsible with our life, our talent, our abilities, our resources. We need to dedicate ourselves to listening to God and being responsible for what he says to do in this life. Ruth was, and she's a great example to all. And I'm glad that there's a book of Ruth in the Bible. And I invite you to go read the book of Ruth cover to cover and enjoy Ruth's faithfulness, the fact that God honored her and took care of her. And I promise you, as you listen to God and be faithful with what God's given you, God will be faithful to you too. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you to know who's listening. You can email me at dave.wager, W-H-E-E-R, at silverbirchranch.org. That's dave.wager at silverbirchranch, all one word, small letters, dot O-R-G. Good night for now.